0: dispensing wisdom, inciting awesomeness, scaling joy. Welcome to the Mojo Studios podcast. It's time to turn down the deluge of distractions and put yourself in a mindset of receptivity and growth. Absorb, digest, apply, repeat. Dinner is served.
1: How are you doing? I just want to welcome you into the conversation and into this fabulous Easter celebration two of my favorite people on the planet, Mr. John Y. Rao out there in Michigan somewhere, Mr. Rick Olson in Wisconsin, and here we are
2: together doing an Easter sermon. How cool is that? <laughs> Good morning, and happy Easter to you, Joe. It's just fabulous to spend this, uh, this Easter with you. I would agree Easter is the best and uh I can't think of anything finer than spending it with uh the two of you so just really excited
0: about this morning. Happy Easter. Happy Easter from three different time zones. It's a blessing to be here. It's a beautiful day. Thank you for having us, Mr. Joe.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. As you guys know, I grew up playing trumpet from gosh, 6th grade on. It became my passport to the world, but I have got some vivid memories of Easter because, you know, sunrise service, that's very popular. I, I don't know if that's so popular anymore, but when we were kids, Rick, you, are you like, I can see you nodding right now, man. It was, it was a big deal that you were out doing your Easter service as the sun is coming up. And I, I love this because I can hardly tell behind me, it's a little fuzzy, but this morning when Rick and I and John were talking, getting ready for this message, it was dark. It was black behind me. So here we are talking about Easter, the sun's coming up, and I'm going right back to my childhood, Trumpet players, Resurrection Sunday. I played in a trumpet quartet, no, a brass quartet, and we won Easter. We got booked for like five services at three different, three different churches on Easter because you know there weren't a whole lot of brass quartets ready to play Easter music. And my home church, we were put up in the balcony, so we're gonna play from the balcony. People couldn't even see us down on the ground level, so this is gonna be a big surprise. The opening of the service was brass quartet singing you know christ the lord is risen today so we got our four stands we're all ready to go and we're all getting ready to start and somebody turns on the ceiling fan up at the, uh, the second level and as soon as they turn it on the music goes Shh. and it didn't just fly didn't just fly off the stands but it flies over the balcony and just floats down into the audience below so now the, the service is ready to start we have zero music but thankfully that was like the fourth or fifth service of the day but pretty much we'd memorized that music by now so i look at the guys and i said can we do it they're like let's find out <laughs> christ the lord is risen today which we played the whole thing without any music we're like hey we did
0: memorize that music <laughs> the one easter that stands out the most for me i was probably around oh i don't know junior high maybe a little bit younger and we were actually down in florida and up to that point i had never ever gone to a different church other than my my hometown church and that was worship to me that there was one pastor it was one community one congregation it was one building and that was church that was god that was everything and uh we we were down in florida on uh, spring break and and um or I think it was probably a little bit after that but but you know on Easter Sunday and we go to this outside service because again remember I said as a child that we did not have outside sunrise service go well, to this outdoor service and um, it was on this big hill uh, this big grassy hill and there were there were tons of chairs set out uh, like more on the flats uh, there were people spread out all over this hill and it was just this eye opening moment to me they're like oh there... God's everywhere. <laughs> He's not just at my church back in my hometown. <laughs> yeah, I was like, my my goodness. And and uh and and everyone was uh, you know so prayerful, so so worshipful. And I'm just and, and it was Easter, so it was such a celebration. And I was like, Wow, you know, I had no idea all this was uh how do you know other people worship. I thought it was just me and my church, you know, and that's kind <laughs> yep. of always stuck with me.
1: Yep. Well uh, John, I think that's all of our experience that you know, whatever our experience is, that's our world. We unless we experience something else. We assume that's what it is for everybody. Uh, but like you said, God is everywhere and God is everything to everybody. So I think you and I talked offline just a little bit before this message, John, about how the experience that we have with God is so, when it's personal, when it's alive, when it's transformative, it's so moving, so life-changing that we want to hang on to that really tightly. Like this is where God is because that's where I experienced him. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, then we make a judgment that that that's the way it should be for everybody. So, and, and I end up a lot about this to anybody, that there's a big difference between content and context. So we experience God in this certain context and we think that's all there is for God. That's what at least there is for me. Right. Mm-hmm. But the con- content is God. The context is where I was in that moment in my life, in that church, or 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 maybe I was out at sea or maybe I was on a mountaintop or wherever <laughs> that was, but God isn't constrained by the context. God is the content and the context wherever you are in your life in your mind in your heart God is everywhere and so the illustration i heard once was it's like the holy spirit the spirit of god is like water so whatever form you pour it into it takes the shape of the form which could be me or you or rick or or the the pastor in the church and that rick was talking about but the holy spirit comes and fills us whatever shape we're in that's the context but the content is still pure it's still god it it doesn't change regardless of the content uh context (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) don't listen to what i say listen to what i mean (laughs) that's what my mom always used to tell me uh so so it's easter and and i think for people who are tuned in that uh, have experienced that Um, almost a transcendent celebration of resurrection, both of our Lord and also of the transformation inside of us, they get it. They understand what we're talking about. And many of them are probably going back to that memory right now in their head. But I also know that since we're putting this message on the internet, it can be accessed by anybody at any time around the world. They might not even know why they tuned in. They might not have had the intention to find out, you know, what do these guys have to say about Easter? And yet I know that the Spirit of God, you know, the Spirit of God drew them to that moment. So in their context, we're delivering some content and it's about our experience with God, but that is, doesn't have to describe your experience with God, whoever's listening. And I also realize that you may have no context for what does that mean? What, what, what's the big deal about Easter? So we're going to roll here for a few minutes and talk about what does Easter mean? Why is it such a big celebration? It's not... It can't just be about plastic Easter eggs and Easter bunnies. You know, we tend to make it the cultural event, but there's so much more, and that's that's what this message is about: is what is really what's a big deal about Easter in general, and what's the big deal about Easter to me?
0: I talked to you guys a lot about the uh, the show The Chosen, right? I'm borderline obsessed with it, and it uh, it's it's really made everything very relatable to me. It it reminds me of how absolutely devastating the days prior must have been uh you know i've, I've always kind of understood that right like well jesus died and he was gone but to really think about that if he was uh, this 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 man that that came into to the, your lives this this holy man uh, that that is such a pure soul. He was so nice to everyone. He was so wise, and he 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 helped me, you know, uh, connect with God, help me understand what God was, and help me understand how you know how we're supposed to live in this world. And he is just this awesome awesome being. And and they, and they held them, you know, at this at this level where they should have, you know, in a divine level. Then he was gone. I, I just like imagine that emptiness in your heart I mean em- emptiness in your heart when you lose any friend, much less Jesus. I mean much less this amazing uh you know God in flesh I, it, it, and then all of a sudden he's gone and I, then all of a sudden imagine the uncertainty that came from that like oh my goodness like were we were we wrong about him? Uh, is all of our hope gone? was all of this absolutely just... Are, are we crazy <laughs> and then all of a sudden i, I just I, I get i get sucked into that sadness um and i actually love the fact that i that i feel that because then it's just you really can celebrate on easter right he's he lives he lives exactly
2: 12 uh 12 disciples had given up their way of life they'd given up their career their livelihood peter and john maybe sold the fishing boats um you know, and and it, this seemed like the thing to do. Let's be all in, push the chips to the middle of the table. We believe we're all in, here we go. Uh it's a whole new future for us. It's going to be unbelievable. And all of a sudden he's dead. It's like what have we done? What have we done? Yeah, what, what what's our fall what's our fallback here? Yeah. What 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 career do I pick up? What what do I do now? You know, all, all of that had to be just uh, just rocketing around in their minds. Uh, it, it, it was an amazing time to think about that three day span between crucifixion and resurrection and what happened with those guys. Yeah, so true. I, and I mean, I, just as you guys are talking about that, I realize how
1: easy it is for me now, because I know the end of the story, to jump to the last chapter and miss out just what you're talking about. But boy, when. When the, the person who I think is the answer and is giving me the answer dies, what do I do now? Right. And, and and just think of, they had spent the last three years, not only did they abandon their livelihood, which had to be look like insanity to their friends and family, many of them had to disassociate from their families who were not, you know, they weren't on board, right? Now, how are they going to re-enter, right? They've, they've lost any credibility all of a sudden. So I, I, now I'm feeling, right, for the first time in a long time, that sense of,
2: what, wait, wait, what, right? What do we do now? The fear of their own life. I mean, Peter Peter was scared to death because he was associated with Jesus, and he thought, Jesus got, is getting crucified. I might get crucified as well right here. So it's the loss of so many things, and then the fear of his fate could be our fate, here right now, so a very heavy time for them.
0: Oh yeah, fear fear of your own safety, fear of yeah uh, people's perception of you, fear of uh, you, it's you know you lost a job, you lost a friend, you lost a but then but then the overall you know that there, there was a level of hope obviously right that they were all feeling and so on top of all the earthly things that they were feeling, then there's just this oh my goodness like what I, I just can't imagine that void they must have felt and then lasting three days it is it is just. It's devastating to think about, honestly.
1: Yeah, you know, Jesus, Jesus did his best to prepare them for that, but they, again, they had no frame of reference, no context. Jesus is saying, "I'm going to die, I'm going to be tortured, I'm going to be killed, I'll be back in three days," and they're like, "Uh-huh, yeah, what? So what do you say? <laughs> you know, so like, well, that's never happened before. So whatever, just get onto the good stuff. You know, you're, you're, that's kind of a downer. Jesus, yeah. quit talking about that stuff, right? <laughs> but, but I can imagine. You know, you used the word hope there, John, but we see hope on the other side because we, again, we know the end of the story. But I, I would, I would guess that not all the disciples had any hope that Jesus was coming back, even though he said it, because there's they they never saw that they they haven't experienced that. There's really no tangible evidence that he's coming back from the dead, regardless of what he said. So I, I think even their hope probably was had disappeared or was escaping rather quickly between that Friday
2: afternoon and Sunday morning, right? And when, and when he did show up, Thomas still didn't believe. Um, yes, he said it. And now three days later, the, the report is he is alive. Thomas still does, doesn't does believe, doesn't buy in. The despair must have been overwhelming and just um, like, wow, that, that was going to be so incredibly great, but it didn't work out the way we thought it would work out. Therefore, you know all is lost in that sort of thing. Uh, and how many how many times in our own
1: life <laughs> when we finally get the courage and muster up uh, whatever motivation inspiration it takes to burn the boats where we say we are all in, we're going for it, I believe, so let's let's go and we think that well from then on because I made that step, now I'm just going to be smooth sailing for the rest yeah. of the rest of the story right. and yet inevitably the storms come and they're much scarier than we ever thought they were going to be right and we're like wait did i have i where where's my security now did i make a wrong decision god where are you i said i would follow you i'm following you and it's dark and it's scary where are you that's that same feeling that the disciples must have had so the story we want to unfold here in this message is all of our story that's one thing i really love about the bible history has it built right in his story. It's the story of the Creator and the creation. It's our story. So when we talk about historical characters in the Bible, we really can understand what they are going through because we're all there, <laughs> to some degree or another. We're all on that journey. Joseph Campbell calls it the hero's journey, but we know who the true hero is, and that's who we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to start with this character called Gideon many of you have heard of Gideon probably because you stayed in a hotel or a motel somewhere in your life and you pull out the little drawer underneath the light light stand and you pull out the Bible and it's stamped right there on the cover is, you know, courtesy of the Gideons. And you might think, well, Gideon, I don't know who that is or the Gideons, or you just think it's a Bible society. Well, they chose that intentionally the name of their society to give the word to all these hotels and motels around the world, which I think is a brilliant thing. Um, but Gideon is a, a true-life character, lived, gosh, probably hundreds of years before Jesus, maybe thousands, I don't know the exact history. Rather than read the Bible narrative, I'll just tell you the story and you can go back and dig in after this message. But so Gideon, he's in. he lives in a time where there's a lot of political unrest. Can anybody relate to that, right? And he's, he's living in fear because uh, the enemy that was trying to take over the land and the country where Gideon lives was really coming into power and he was afraid, right, as they all were at that time. And so Gideon, is a, he's a farmer, and as, you know, it's an agrarian society, not a lot of cities. But so the, the more scared he gets, the more he goes into hiding until the Bible describes, like, at this one point, he's, hes like, out of sight, out of mind, keeping, keeping his head down. He doesn't want to poke his head up lest he be shot or, worse, drafted, right, to be in the army. So he's hiding. He's, you know, he's... He's got the shutters closed. He's got the locks on the door. So it looks like nobody's home. Maybe if I'm really quiet, nobody will even notice me. Right. And in that fear where he's literally in hiding and scared to death, the angel, an angel shows up in his room, which (laughs) had to only make him more fearful. And the first words out of the angel's mouth wasn't don't be afraid or, you know, how can I help you or or guess what? God's with you. You know what the angel says, "Mighty man of valor," hmm. <laughs> and Gideon's got to like, is there somebody else here? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I, I, I know you're not talking to me, so I—I I, I was pretty sure I was alone. So you know, you gotta—you gotta imagine. Well, first of all, seeing an angel had to put the fear of God in you anyway, most of the time when angels show up in the Bible, the first words are, don't be afraid, which could tell you how intimidating and awesome an angels must be, right? If they have to tell you, don't be afraid, you're like, angels, right? Mm. And, then they, but, and the angel says, no, I'm talking to you, Gideon, mighty man of valor. And he's like, well, you obviously don't know what you're talking about because right? I know me and that is not me. When you fast forward in the story, that becomes a turning point in Gideon's story where he goes from a coward an actual coward in the moment, and the story inside of his mind is, if I just hide long enough, maybe I'll survive, right? To being one of the greatest strategic masterminds of war strategy in the history of the world, and and has the most incredible stories of overcoming odds that seemed insurmountable, and now God's working in him and through him, you know, where He's telling he's telling his army just to go home. I don't need that. You know, there's too many people here. He was like sorting through his army so that, because if you look really cl- closely at the narrative, he says I don't want it to to appear to me or to anybody that we won this war because of our strength, our strength and numbers. So I and remember I don't know the exact numbers. Rick might know them off the top of his head, but the other army has tens of thousands of these. You know these trained warriors, these SEAL team, you know, uh, Marines ready to go. And Gideon's got farmers. And he's telling some of them, go home. If, if you don't want to be here, if you have any reservations, if you're afraid or you think you need to take care of your family, just go. And now he's like, he's sending them away until he's got like 300 left, right? 300 against an army of thousands. He's like, okay, now we're ready. And I'm thinking, what kind of, what? Wait, what? And it's, and, and Gideon, now he gets it. He's like, you know what, if we're going to win, it's not going to be because we're so strong and mighty. It's going to be because God of the universe is on our side. And they have these amazing victories. And he, he actually becomes an, a, a superhero. He becomes a superhero on Earth. Not because he saw that or envisioned it or claimed it or affirmed himself into it, but because in the lowest, darkest place of his life, the God of the universe shows up and says, I got something for you, and it's not what you think. It's much better. And I'm sure he didn't believe it for a second, right? But it came to pass anyway. And this, I, I love this story because it flies in the face of, if I just say it enough, you know, I can proclaim it and manifest it in my life. Well, that's true to some degree, but that's pretty limited compared to, I'm a coward and God makes me the greatest uh, military st- strategy genius of all times, right?
2: Gideon had done an assessment of who he was. It was a flawed self-assessment. It was a shooting low self-assessment, okay? And here comes God's assessment of Gideon, and God is telling him, you are a mighty man of valor. So how God assessed Gideon is vastly different than how Gideon assessed Gideon. And uh, that theme is going to come out with John and myself today as we we continue to talk
0: here. It it, it reminds me of uh, Jeremiah, right? It's like, God, I'm too, I'm too young. I'm just a boy, uh, you know. I, I, I don't, I, I don't have the experience. Like, who am I to talk to these all these people? Who, who am I to address all these this evil? And uh, He's just like, don't. God's just like, what are you talking about? I'm here. Don't say that. And He's just kind of like, Bap. Here's, here's the words. I put them in your mouth, and uh, and you got this. And uh and, and what I, what I love is. You know, before you were even born, I knew who you were, Jeremiah. I've been planting this for generations. Before your parents were even born, I have been planting this seed so that you would be you at this very point when I was going to use you. So it, it, I, I, I love it. Or at least in the version I was reading, it's almost God was just like, how, how, you know, how how dare you even question this? Just just believe me. And if you don't, if you don't believe me and, and address this uh, with with full confidence. You're gonna look silly <laughs> and, uh, and, and that, that that really resonates with me that you know to to always keep God first and I'll be honest as a side note here I, I uh, w- when I had struggled with my faith previously for a while, a lot of these Bible stories I they didn't resonate with me so because it's kind of like, okay, what what is God talking to Jeremiah? thousands and thousands of years ago have anything to do with me. You know, he was telling Jeremiah that. He wasn't telling me that. Like, I, why do I, how can I draw confidence from that passage? He's talking to Jeremiah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I am not him. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, that's the exact thing Jeremiah was doing. <laughs> like, oh, well, maybe God was doing this so that we, it would resonate for generations.
1: <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, again, this goes back to, <clears throat> to that con- context versus content. The God of the universe, the truth, who has always been and always will be, is the eternal now. That content never changes. So the content, even though it's in historical context, and you think I'm, I have nothing in common with Jeremiah or with Gideon or with anybody in the Bible because that's their context. No, you're forgetting the, the content hasn't changed. The content is
2: the truth, and the truth will set us free. Right? Yeah. Let me let me let me pick up on that too. I love the Jeremiah passage John's been talking about Jeremiah chapter 1 where Jeremiah has this incredible encounter with God. And I I remember reading that a number of years ago. I I was in youth ministry at the time and my ministry was expanding. It was going beyond what I knew is actually going beyond what I was comfortable with. And and I was doing a devotional in Jeremiah and I came to Jeremiah 1.5 and said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And I, I remember just pausing and thanking God. It's like, God, thank you. Thank you that you do know everything about me. You know who I am. Um, and right from the beginning, right from before I even entered the world, you knew who I was, what I was all about. I love that. And then I went to the next one. Before you were born, I set you apart. I go, that's incredible, God, that your plan has been since pre-birth the plan for Rick Olson was there. And I embraced that. And I remember reading that scripture, embracing that, embracing that. And then I came to the next one and it said, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And I go, yeah, that's Jeremiah. I love the form in the womb. I love set apart from birth. That's so great. I'm going to embrace that. That's all me. Oh, set apart for as a prophet of the nations. That's him. That's so not me. <laughs> and I'm just doing this backpedal with God. And I had my moment. I had my moment where it's like, okay, yeah, God did that for a reluctant Jeremiah. He's now doing that for a reluctant Rick Olson. Yeah. Pick up the mantle and do what God set you apart to do
1: yeah before we jump into the next segment rick i just i i'm thinking about this whole thing that we're talking about and i realize there's there's these two narratives in each of our lives there's the story that we tell ourselves about our own reality from our limited perspective and it's not necessarily that it's that we're lying to ourselves or deceiving ourselves it's that we just don't know the whole story so from my limited experience if i'm gideon i am a coward that's that's not Right. That's not a false narrative. That's how I feel. That's who I am in this moment. I truly am a coward. If I'm Nehemiah, I'm too young. I'm not a prophet. You know, if I'm Rick Olson, no, I, I'm, I'm I don't want to be a prophet, right? That's not that's not who I am. But that's that's one narrative is how I understand who I am right now. Well, thankfully, there's another narrative. There's right. the God of the universe who's outside of time, who created us and and knew all that would happen and never would happen because for him it's the eternal now. He's like. Well that's true for you but again that's that's really limited perspective. I've got something I've got a bigger perspective. So th- there's another narrative and that's not who you are in this moment. It's who you are in the big picture. It's who you are becoming. It's who you are when you attach your limitations to
2: an unlimited god. Then then we've got a whole another narrative, right? Absolutely. And I you know thinking about it from myself it it was um it was this incredible stretch. I was I was reluctant to stretch, but I'm going, Okay, God, I, I am gonna take this as your word for me to not just good for Jeremiah, but good for me. I'd also like to comment here that whether
1: you are a coward, which that's not just reluctant, that's like run the other way. Run away, run away, right? Or that's so that's Gideon, or you d- identify more with Jeremiah, who's like, Well, I'm not I'm not a coward, I'm not running away. But I just don't feel qualified, right? I'm like, nah, that must be for somebody else because I I don't see myself being able to do those things. So this is whole spectrum of the human condition. This is how we can identify with these biblical stories because at times I am the coward. Run away. No, there's no way. Help me, help me. But then there's times like, okay, I'll I'll be all right, but I I can't be for me. I'm reluctant or resistant, not because I'm a coward, but because I just don't see myself I don't, the way God sees me. So we are talking about transformation is what we are. And God is all about that. Uh, But we see it as transformation because we're stuck in time, who I was or who I am now versus who I will be. For God, that's all happening in the moment. It's it's the eternal now. That's why he has no problem. God has no problem calling me a mighty man of valor when I feel like a coward, right? Or I'm not qualified. God's like, well i have a different side of that story a different perspective so rick let's let's move ahead now in this message about how does the resurrection story how do we take it out of history realize it's his story and, and make it my
2: story excellent well we've we've talked about two fabulous old testament characters today i want to bring us to the uh, the new testament and um an encounter that mary and martha had with jesus Now we celebrate the resurrection, but Jesus gives us a spin on the resurrection that we really need to understand. And it comes from the story of Mary and Martha. I wanna talk about where Jesus slept. Uh, He said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, son of man has no place to lay his head. I'm not sure where Jesus spent those three years, where he slept, what he did. I do know that one of his favorite hangouts was Mary and Martha's place. He loved Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Uh, that was his little Aaron b and I believe. But Jesus had his own little setup, and one of his favorite getaways was Mary and, and, and Martha and Lazarus. So the story picks up in John 11, and Lazarus gets very sick, and Mary and Martha send this message to Jesus, who they just love. Uh, and here's what the message said. The Lord lord the one you love is sick i mean you talk about close doesn't even have to attach a name to it just the one you love is sick how tight was that relationship for that Mm -hmm. to take place yeah so here's mary and martha he's really sick but we've sent word to jesus undoubtedly he's going to come everything's going to be okay and here's what happens on the other end which is just incredible Um, so the message comes to Jesus says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Okay. What? No, don't do that. Jesus. That's right. Dear friend, if you've ever had a reason to get a little upset with God, (laughs) like, okay, God, I, I know your ways are higher than our ways. This one makes no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, Jesus had an incredible point he was going to bring about, and it just doesn't fit into any of our systems that he would do this. So he shows up four days after Lazarus dies. Guess who comes to meet him? Martha. Guess what she says? Jesus, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Why did she say that? Because it's what her and Mary had said for four days. That's all they talked about. I could just hear in their living room. If he had just been here, it would be different. If he had been here, he went, this wouldn't have happened over and over and over. So Jesus showed up and listened to what he says back to her. He said, your brother will rise again. What a, what a great statement. Here's how Martha answers. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And what she's telling him is, I believe what you're saying. He is going to rise again. Not now, but eventually he will. I have great faith, not for today, but for the future. Someday this is all, but right now it's sheer, utter pain, and it just hurts so much that you weren't here. Because had you been here, he would just be mighty fine. (laughs) And here's what he said to her. I am. The resurrection and the life. He's, he's basically telling her, look, Martha, you're believing in, in an event called the resurrection. I got to be honest with you, Martha, there is nothing like the resurrection. It's never happened. There is no resurrection. Resurrections don't just happen. You believe in the resurrection, but you know what? I am the resurrection. The resurrection is me. It's not an event It is me, your friend, Jesus. I am the resurrection. No me, no resurrection. Okay. And I am here now. And then he said, the one who believes in me will live even though he dies. Whoever lives uh, by believing me will never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you're Messiah, the son of God who's come into the world. But it was an amazing transformative moment for her because she did have faith in god and she did love jesus she just felt like everything was going to happen later not now not today not right now and so jesus he got her full attention no resurrection except for me i am the resurrection i'm i'm the resurrection for lazarus i I will be the resurrection for you i'll be the resurrection for mary i'm going to resurrect myself and so before Easter morning there was this incredible teaching about what the resurrection is all about it's not an event it's a person
1: mm-hmm. Wow okay so here's here's where um, here's where the sermon takes a turn in a way that I hadn't planned but uh, I do sense God's talking right right through us it's going to be a little emotional so hang with me fellas. Um, when I was younger, uh, I had some terribly dark years, even though I was a believer in Jesus, followed him since I was six. Um, and I never really had this rebellious time in my life where I you know, threw away my beliefs in God because I wanted to go experience the world. And here's why, because at ages 11, 12, 13, and 14, my mom got remarried to a really overbearing, domineering, intimidating guy who uh, verbally and emotionally abused all of us, never touched us physically, but, um, got in my face so many times. And as a, as a gregarious outgoing guy, um, would make me cry with his words, uh, tears of bitterness and anger. And I wouldn't say anything cause I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. Right. So I just, I just stand there and, and I cry and eventually, eventually my tears stopped flowing. Right. It wasn't a conscious decision, but it was something inside of me that said, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't like feeling this way, and I'm never going to feel this way again, so I don't care what anybody says to me. I'm just going to wall it off, right? I'm going to protect myself. And I would go into the, my room, and I'd close the door, and I'd cry out to God, and I'd say, God, why is this happening? Where? where I believe in you. I believe you have a great story for me. Uh, you know, I'm following you. I've committed my life to follow you, and and this sucks. Where are you? Why is this happening? Why me? Why now? You know what God's answer to me was? It wasn't, I'm going to take you out of the situation. It wasn't, here's the four steps you need to take, you know, to get from where you are to where you should be. You know what his answer was? I'm here. (laughs) I'm here. Right? Sorry. It's going to be tough here. Uh, God's answer to me in the darkest of times as a full bond believer is just like Martha, like, okay, well, when, right? Yeah. And and God's saying, it's not an event, Joe. He's what's telling me right now. I didn't catch it back then. He's saying it's me. I am the resurrection, right? I'm here. Yeah. And so when I hear that Jesus, the person that he loves in Lazarus, and I'm like, oh, I want to be that kind of guy. I want to be Lazarus. I want to be the, the one that Jesus loves, right? And, and Jesus finds out that Lazarus not only is sick or in pain or in trauma, Lazarus died. I didn't die. Yeah, it sucked. I was in pain. I didn't die. And Jesus says, okay, I'll just, I'll wait a few minutes. You know, I'll, I'll wait a few days. Oh my gosh, wh- why would you do that? Because of the pain that his sisters are feeling, right? And, but now we understand, and I'm understanding even in this conversation, that Jesus He was constrained by a body while he was on this earth but he's still almighty god he's everywhere all the time right so he he's there he's with lazarus it's not that he sees what's going to happen in the future it's happening right now and he's there and so um i think i had this false narrative and i still carry it with me that if i love jesus if i serve jesus if i give my life to jesus and do my best to follow his commands that things will never go south that i'm not going to have any pain right i'm not going to have any trauma and when it happens, then naturally I go, but wait, this isn't what I signed up for. How come I'm, how come I'm, still, how come I'm being abused? God, if, if you're a God of love, here's this question that we all ask at some point in our lives, and those who don't believe even ask, if God is truly love, and everybody say God is love, then how could terrible things happen to good people? I'm one of those people. We, actually, we all are. Yeah. Terrible things happen to me, and I'm full on in relationship with God. It's not just a religion. It's a relationship. And God's answer to me in all those questions is, "I'm here. I'm here. That's all you need to know. I am, right? That's not right. I was, not I was, not I will be, but I am. And here I am, right? It carried me through the darkest times, and and that isn't the darkest times. That's just one of many traumas in my life, where where God is, <laughs> and that's that's all you need to know. He is the resurrection." It's not he will be the resurrection or he was the resurrection, it's not a historical statement, it's not about the future, although those things are true as well. But right now, in my pain, in my questions, in my darkness, God hasn't abandoned me and said, well, get your act together. He goes to Gideon and says, you don't have your act together, you're still a mighty man of valor. What? Wait, what? He goes to Jeremiah and says, yeah, you are too young, you don't have the words. I do, I'm here, right? I'm here. I'm with you." And and Jeremiah becomes an amazing prophet. He goes to Mary and Martha and says, yeah, I, I could have come four days ago, but guess what? It doesn't matter. I'm not constrained by time. I'm here. And so I want I the people who are listening, everybody who's listening to understand that wherever you are, you, you feel like a coward, you're close to God, you're away from God, you're in pain, you're crying out to God with with every, everything inside of you says, 'Why says, why me? Why me? What kind of God are you? You know his answer is? I got you. I'm here, that's right? And the narrative that's going on inside your heart, that's going inside in your mind, it, 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 um, God isn't saying you shouldn't think that way. He's saying, I know you think that way. And that's why I'm here. I'm going to change that narrative. And it, w- it may not be instantaneous. I might wait four days while you're in the grave, metaphorically, but the resurrection is happening. It's happening from the inside out. Because I am, as Rick said, the resurrection. I am, Jesus says, the resurrection, and I am here with you. So here we've got what a rich message this is, which I, I again, we hadn't fully planned out how this is going to come out, but we have a message that is histo- rooted in history and is absolutely applicable to our life in this moment because God is. He, he was. He will be, but he is. He's the eternal now. He's eternally here for you. And regardless of what that narrative, that story got going on inside your head or your heart about, I'm a coward and I, you know, I don't believe anything, or I believe in the possibilities, but I'm not there yet. Or, you know, God, if only you had been there, things would have been different. God's answer, I'm here. I got you. Right?
2: Right joe there's a great great story about the parent who goes to the pastor and they just buried their child and they just said pastor where where was god when we when we buried our child and the pastor said god was in the same place he was when he buried his own child when his own child died he he does know that he's not detached he's very much connected now so whatever our whatever our lot in life he is the resurrection and the life for whatever we are, wherever we're at, whatever we face right now. Yeah. So, so
1: we already talked about when Jesus dies, his disciples are lost. Like what the, that's, what? are you kidding me? (laughs) I finally have a purpose. I have a direction. I have hope and, and, and you, you, you get killed. Is that even possible? This isn't, you're the son of God and you get crucified, right? So now fast forward to the end of Jesus' life. Now he's risen from the dead. Now they know that he is the resurrection and the life. And now he, they're Peter who's afraid of, of you know being identified with Jesus. Now he's like the mouthpiece of the church. Jesus is the one. And he actually does get crucified historically. And when he gets crucified for for proclaiming the truth, right? So listen to this carefully. Peter's a follower of Jesus. He's proclaiming the truth. Not only does he get crucified, but the, the history says that when they went to crucify, him, Peter says, you know what, I, I am not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Crucify me upside down, right? And and Stephen, who gets stoned to death for proclaiming the gospel, as he's standing there and rocks are killing him as people with hate and vitriol and misunderstanding are are literally stoning him to death. The Bible says he stands there with a face like an angel. What the? How is that even possible? Right? I mean, I, I get somebody who says uh, a bad word to me or has a has a has a look that I don't like, and I'm like ready to fight back. <laughs> Here's Stephen getting stoned to death, and he's taking it peacefully. That's not. It's not drugs. That's not a delusion. That's a, a true understanding that God is here. I'm, I'm with you. And, and even if you die, Paul says, even if I die, that's gain. There's, there's no losing in this, in this equation. If I'm here, it's Christ. If I die, it's Christ. Either way, I win, right? Oh my gosh. That's what the resurrection means. There, there, there's a great ending to the story. And yes, there will be darkness. There will be pain. As it turns out, that's where we grow. (laughs) That's where we learn. That's where we really depend on God. If everything was really great, I don't think I would really cry up to God very often, where are you? That's what God wants us to say. Where are you, God? So He can say, I'm here. I'm right here. I've even heard people who have gone through way ter- more worse abuse than I ever did who would say wh- "What? The, the transformation for them was when they realized that God was not only in the room, but He was crying. He was feeling the pain, right? Yes, he would have he would have loved to intervene and stop the, the predator and the perpetrator from doing what they're doing, but he was right there. He's crying. I'm here. I get it. I know that pain. I went through it myself, right? That's why I came here to say I'm not detached. I'm not the God out there. I'm not the Bette Midler. God is watching us from a distance. <laughs> no, God's watching us from the inside out. Right. God is in us and around us and through us and holding us all together. I just I love this parallel between as science you know gets better and better about either examining the cosmos or going down to the quantum level and seeing what we're really made of they're finding the same thing is true most of it is space and energy there's a little bit of matter but most of it's space and energy and our story is we're concentrating on the matter the skin and the bones and the the, you know the, the form that we see and our senses and god god's not only there but he fills in all the space in between and science is telling us we're all space and energy. And, and I love that it. that's like this, I call it magnetism, and that's my layman's terms, but, but the energy between the molecules is what, what keeps them together. And I think of the scripture that says that not only did God make all things, but he holds all things together. That's exactly what's going on physically in our world. God's holding us together. God's holding you together. Why? Because he's here, and he is the resurrection. He is the life wow hallelujah hallelujah he is risen fellas amen he is
2: risen indeed
1: (laughs) so i just want to encourage anybody who's tuned in you may be out there saying i've never heard such a thing and and i feel like a coward or i i've been railing at god or i'm the one in pain or where were you god you can identify with these stories god's talking to you this message is for you but it's not just for you it's also for, for somebody else that you know that needs it as well because god is there with you he's for you he loves you but it's not about you right it's about us it's about him really it's his story and we get to be weaved into it so whether you whatever stage you are at life there, remember that the narrative your understanding of your experience is so limited in light of the unlimited knowledge and wonder and transcendence of a God who not only is transcendent but is intimate. He takes the expanse of the universe and he brings it into your life in a very individual level and that's what love is about. God's all about you. He's about not only who you are now, but He, as Rick and I were and John were talking about beforehand, it seems like the people that God really used in the Bible were the least qualified, right? <laughs> They're the least qualified. They're the ones who are like, they're they're lying, they're cheating, they're they're hiding, whatever it is. And God's like, Yep, you're ready. Yep. <laughs> that's the one I'm looking for. Because when we get so full of ourselves, like, I got it together, and I don't need nothing, I don't need nobody. What we're telling God is I don't need you. So in your in your weakness, in your fear, in your uncertainty, in in your anger, whatever that is, that means you're ripe. You're ready. You're ready to receive what God's got to give. God resists the proud, yeah. gives grace to the humble. Yeah. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. This this is a little intimidating and a little scary and sobering to me that when I tend to think a little too much of myself, I'm actually causing a, a rift that God resists the proud. I don't want it I don't want to be the guy that God's resisting, right? No. I don't want to be that, right? So Man, this is great. And, and and actually, if you look throughout history, the, the great teachers, the great gurus get to this place where they realize, the more I know about myself, the more I know about the universe, the more I understand, the more I realize how little I know, right? That I only know three pieces of the puzzle, and it looks like a tiger. And many of us go, I get it. I got the whole picture. It's all about a tiger turns out the, the puzzle has 57,000 pieces, right? Yeah. yeah. So my little understanding, this is what humility is, is realizing I may know, but I don't know at all. Yeah. But I know someone who does. <laughs> How comforting is that? Yeah. This is what the resurrection is about, people. It's not a story in history. It's not this figurative Jesus. And, and maybe God is going to reach to you through, what's the TV show you love so much? The Chosen?
0: Ah, uh, The Chosen, yeah.
1: Right. So John has told me himself that, man, there have been times when I'm watching The Chosen, I'm like, I never thought of it that way. This is this is real. I'm getting goosebumps. He's like, it's like the Bible has come alive. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The Bible is alive. Jesus is alive. The Word. The Word made flesh. The Word is with us. The Word always was. And I love that the words that God has for you are for now. And it's not about who you are, but who you are becoming. It's about the big T transformation.
0: If this episode was beneficial to you, be sure to pay it forward, sharing it with others who may need a boost as well. Until next time, dream big, start small, act now.